The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out we're chilling the most in the Pharrell Palatial, right across the river and through the woods from where Grandma likes to roll up fatties and make me pancakes in New York City. People dressed in plastic bags, directed traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do. I'm a friend to come around, flat to party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown. What a mess is down to town, my brain splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake out. Pharrell with you, Smitty is here. How you doing, Smitty? Oh man, I'll tell you what, Scotty. Every time I hang out with you, I get a little bit. I my 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 spirits get lifted. You know, you come on, you do your song, you do your dance. We have a little fun. Uh, take take your mind off of what's been a very tough uh, few weeks for us. All right, so um, uh, we're going off the cuff today, Smitty. This could yeah, get. Yeah, I love it. Let's go, baby. Wild. All right, so uh, on this date in nineteen. Um, 87. Okay. Uh, you were, I think, living. <laughs> you were you were out of the womb already, right? Yeah. So you were born in 86? I was born February of 86, one year. Uh, so March of 87, I was in Gramercy Park on 21st and 3rd, living the high life. You know? <laughs> I was enjoying it. I was enjoying being a one-year-old kid in New York City in the 80s. All right. And uh, so you were there, and Mommy was uh, taking good care of Smitty and changing his poopy diapers and everything else. Well, let me tell you where I was. I was at the Superdome in New Orleans that night watching Indiana come back mm. from 13 down with three minutes to go against Syracuse. And then Daryl Thomas spun in the lane at the free throw line and dropped a dime to Keith Smart on the baseline for a little mid-range 18-foot popper that fell through to complete the comeback and beat Syracuse on a last-second shot, and then an inbounds pass went awry that Smart also picked off like a cornerback, and Indiana was the national champ. And after going to the locker room and interviewing Bob Knight and the players, I proceeded to go out on Bourbon Street and eat a bag of mushrooms (laughs) and go tripping on Bourbon Street for eight hours with my friends and drink 500 gallons of booze. 
That's a lot. Even for you, Scotty, that's a lot. You know, it's funny. The one time that I was in New Orleans, I was there with the Florida Atlantic uh, women's basketball team. We were facing the New Orleans privateers. And I remember the game was like a one o'clock game on Sunday. And we were basically out, me and the assistant coach, the only other male that was on the traveling party was one of the men, uh, one of the one of the assistant coaches was, was a male. So we always roomed together. Great guy. I still keep in touch with him to this day. We were at Harris in New Orleans till like three, four in the morning playing poker. And we had a game at one o'clock the next day. So New Orleans to me is a very interesting town. It's probably one of my favorite cities to, to visit. I've been there twice, both times with FAU. And I, I had a chance to really soak up the city because the game was like two or three hours. The rest of the time, you know, you pretty much do whatever you want. I was down on Bourbon Street. I got some beignets from Cafe Du Monde. You know, the whole nine yards, Scotty. You can even go down to the river yeah. and go into the uh, Harrah's uh, Casino right there on the water and gamble heavily. I think they still have that uh, there to this day, which is impressive. What do you think when you see um, cities like New Orleans right now absolutely barren and not a soul on the streets of the French Quarter and New York City, where you live, Smitty, on the Upper East Side, and not a soul on the streets. I mean, literally, when you leave your pad, what's it like, Smitty? It's wild right now, Scotty. And again, I'm an optimistic person. We're positive people. It's hard to really stay positive with everything we're seeing. So the streets are really quiet, which, as you would expect, the only thing I ever hear and it's like every five minutes on cue is another ambulance going by. And granted, I do live near two major hospitals, so it's not surprising that there's always some traffic. But it is a constant, constant flow of ambulances. And they just built the uh, auxiliary hospital in Central Park on 99th Street, which is like five blocks from my apartment. This entire world is transformed. And again, I don't think it's just going to we're going to snap our fingers one day and, and everything's going to go back to normal. I, I think the economy is going to be what gets hit the hardest from all this small businesses especially in this city and in all those cities you just mentioned new orleans dallas chicago places that rely on tourism really and 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 small businesses that thrive all of that is going to be impacted heavily from this this is going to take a massive effort to recover from this from a financial perspective there's no doubt smitty with us on coast to coast so um did you see that, uh, obviously, uh, they're going to uh, come out with the uh, Michael Jordan series on ESPN on, I think, the 19th. And then each night that it's on, it's going to be a two-part series, five different weeks. And then I think it's going to be available, from what I gather, on Netflix. You know, I lived in uh, Chicago for three of those championships of the six uh, what do you remember most about being a kid watching Michael Jordan play basketball? Because I had seen him obviously play ball at North Carolina, and then I saw him play, uh, obviously, I'm old enough to have seen his entire career, not only in basketball, but his pathetic baseball career, too. <laughs> so 96 for me was a very formative year in my sports fandomness. So I was 10 years old. Uh, and there's another ambulance going by right now in New York, and I'm, I probably picked it up on the mic. Um, I, so New York, so I was I wasn't living in New York at the time. I was living in South Florida, so I was kind of in that weird mode where I was rooting for a lot of New York teams, but I was not living living in this area. '96 was a very formative year. Yankees won the World Series. Uh, the two years prior to that, the Rangers uh, won the Stanley Cup. The Knicks. 
uh, were in the NBA Finals against the Rockets. So 94 to 96 was like a, you know, I was really finding my my druthers uh, in the sports world being a fan of those New York teams. So I remember the NBA Finals that year. I remember Jordan crossing over, hitting that shot against the Jazz in Game 6. That was really my first big non-Knicks NBA memory. I do remember the finals briefly in 94, the whole OJ thing when they're chasing him down the street and people are leaving the garden to go on the TVs to watch OJ get chased down the road in uh, LA. And then of course the Rangers winning the Stanley Cup. 96 to me was a much more formative year. Uh, I very vividly remember the last out of the 96 World Series watching that at home in Florida. And I also remember Jordan doing his thing, knocking down the shot, and how good that team was with Pippen and Rodman and the whole nine yards. Phil Jackson, obviously legendary coach. So to me, it's going to be a very uh, nostalgic uh, uh, documentary, and I'm I'm glad that ESPN's moving it up. The country needs some content right now, and ESPN's certainly going to provide that. It could be one of the most watched events during this entire quarantine. So I was there for uh, three of them, and then I was in Los Angeles for uh, the three with Shaq and Kobe. Yeah. Can you imagine that I got to live in both of those towns wow. and work in my career and see those six championships, uh, you know, two different teams, uh, you know, succeed at that level uh, to be there and actually go to those games and to live in that city. And, you know, those tickets at the time were impossible to get your yeah. hands on. So, like just even being on, I remember being in Chicago, I lived on uh, Printer's Row in the Loop, and to go out with my buddies uh, that were all traders at the Mercantile and the Board of Trade in Chicago, and to yeah. go drinking with them and watch the Bulls, um, you know, win three championships was a trip. And then to live in Los Angeles and do the same thing and watch Kobe and Shaq do it was crazy. Uh, have you ever been around anything like that in your lifetime where you saw championships like that? No, uh, not back-to-back. Back. The Yankees run in the late 90s, I was in Florida. Um, I guess if you want – I mean, I, I had a good little stretch with the Rangers, covering the Rangers in the Stanley Cup Finals and then also in the Eastern Conference Finals the following season. I think the Rangers actually made it to the Eastern Conference Finals in three straight seasons. Um, so I had a chance to cover all of those teams. That was a fun run, but never – championship level actually it's ironic sky the last 10 years i mean you know we obviously you know here in new york we've discussed this at length but hasn't been a whole lot of sports success uh in the 20 teens uh here in new york city i mean you had the mets in the world series in 2015 you had the yankees that won the world series in 2009 that's kind of been it giants made it the playoff once the jets i think 29 uh, 2009 2010 were in the afc championship game not much since it's been very very it's been slim pickings for athletic success professionally uh, athletic success here in new york so i was a kid right and then i had the uh it was just crazy i mean i can't even make this stuff up is that i was in the in pittsburgh when the steelers uh won Seven, uh yeah. it, it won the super bowl so uh four in six years and then I was in the real world working as a, a broadcaster when they won it in uh, 05 and 08. And then when the Penguins won in 91 and 92 back-to-back, -back, and then in 09, I was on the air at Howard Stern mm -hmm. uh, doing my show on Howard 101. And then I was on the air at, at CBS Sports Radio doing uh, the 16 and 17 seasons when they won back-to-back -back again. I mean, it is just crazy uh, that I have been lucky enough to have, yeah. you know, my teams 
and even not my teams, but be living in a city. Like, I like the Lakers a lot when I lived in L.A. And uh, the Bulls, uh, how could you not like Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen when you're living in Chicago? I was working at I was working at Sports Channel, but it was weird because I covered the uh, Blackhawks and the White Sox. Uh, that was my job. And and then I was like doing talk radio in, in Chicago, outside of Chicago, believe it or not, in a small station in Joliet where they remember the prison was where the Blues Brothers <laughs> yeah. uh, where they were in prison. So I've been around all these championships in my career. And it's the craziest thing. And even that Indiana championship uh, that they should have never won, but they did win. I've been lucky enough to be around all that. It's just crazy. I think that you're right about the uh, series about Jordan. I think everyone and their brother is going to watch it. I think it's going to be difficult uh, to Jones and wait every week for the two new episodes to yeah. come out. Because like, if you're a binge watcher, right, you watch the show. Like, What I do is I'll watch the whole thing in a row over like two or three days. That's how I prefer to watch it. Can you bear to watch two a week and then wait every week to watch the next two? Or will you be freaking out? I'll have to do it. You know, it's it's funny. I've gotten into actually a pretty good routine. And and again, credit to all of our all of our colleagues at SportsGrid to kind of rework what is a new normal for all of us doing this new schedule from home. But I've gotten actually into a pretty decent routine where we kind of work normal days. I get up, I do the morning show with Ariel, I get a little breakfast coffee, then we do the morning show. We tape it a day in advance, so it'll, we tape it today and we'll get it on the air later that night or early in the morning. And then I'll, I'll do a hit with you. I, I've got some other hits with other segments that I do. And then usually by 4 or 5 o'clock, like the day's over, so it's like I'm already home. And I've gotten into a good routine where I'm kind of spacing things out, Scotty. I think that, that for me, and everyone's brain works differently, but for me... I like to have an itinerary. So I have like a list of things that like I do every day. Like every day I make my bed. Every day I do a workout. Every day I like go outside and at least try to like get a semblance of fresh air. So I, I like to try to space things out. So I'm okay with that system. I'll plan it like, oh, right, I'll watch this on this day and then I'll wait for the next day. But don't get me wrong. If there's an entire season of something on Netflix, I will binge the crap out of it if it's there. But I, I'm okay with having somewhat of a normal schedule. I like the idea of a little bit of normalcy right now because there's not a whole lot of normalcy in any other areas of our lives. So if there's a set schedule, I'm on board with it. So uh, tonight on Pharrell on the Bench podcast, it, it'll be dropped at some point today. They'll drop my uh, new episode. And it's about, uh, I call it Lions, Tigers, and Murder, oh my. But it's about that Tiger King. I know you've seen the story yeah. about about Shaq going to this GW Zoo yeah. where this guy kept all these uh, tigers and put on this act. He did the whole thing. You know, uh, thousands of people go and watch the uh, tigers and his tour, and you go through the zoo and you see all these animals. You get to take pictures with them, and the guy's a complete freak, Hilljack. He's got, like, uh, shotguns. He wears guns on his belt. Uh, he um, wears these wild clothes. He's uh, gay. He's married to two different men. They're both like three times younger than him. He's um, uh, he thinks he's a country music star. He's a lunatic. And then it turns out he's a murder for hire hitman. Like he hired someone to kill this woman that was a competitor of his. So the deal is this, is that tonight I do a, a podcast about that story. And the thing that's weird about it is is that Shaq went to the zoo, right? And then they got Shaq all caught up in it, and he's having to defend himself now 
about going to that zoo and being there and saying his name on the TNT on NBA broadcast. He's like, shout out to my boy, Joe Exotic. Meanwhile, I watched this thing, the seven episodes, and I mean to tell you, this was the craziest, most bizarre, I mean, demented, deliverance, hillbilly, thrillbilly, hilljack, redneck, I mean, country disaster I've ever seen in my life. It is the craziest show. Have you watched it? And if you haven't, you have to watch it because you'll get sucked in like a beer. (laughs) I haven't watched it yet. So I've seen all the tweets about it. It's weird. I have this like weird thing when it comes to these like these like really popular shows. Like I see everybody tweeting about it and like I'm such a contrarian that I'm like I don't like my first reaction is I don't want to see it. Like it's weird. I don't know why. Eventually I'll probably see it. Uh I I just need to like wait for the timing is right where my brain wraps my head around it. I've seen clips. I have friends that have been explaining it to me. Your explanation was pretty much on par uh with what everyone else is saying. It is absolutely wild. I, I I promise you before the end of this quarantine, I will watch it. I don't know. I just don't like dying, like feeding into the listen, fads right away. So I, I'm not going to dive in right away. Smitty, calm down. Okay. Like with all of your contrarian nonsense, <laughs> listen to me. I, I can feel you on betting contrarian. I can feel you on, I don't want to be like everybody else. I'm down with all that. But when it comes to Pharrell vision, when I give you right. tip, when I tell you, you've got to watch the show. Like, there's a reason behind the madness. There's also, it's the one rated show on Netflix. And I mean to tell you, I watched this thing and my face fell off my face. I was watching I was screaming at the television. I, this chick that is on this show is such an ugly, disgusting bee. And I mean, I wanted that, like the whole show, this guy's like talking about killing her. And I'm like, I, I they do. I was like, she needs to die. And I became, oh I became obsessed like everyone else because the story is so surreal and insane. Before and- we do next week's show, I will watch at least one episode. I promise you. I promise you. As much as I love you, I would not, I would not lie to your face. Listen, there's three people on this show, and they're all demented, and they're all, <laughs> all be institutionalized. And this chick is so maddening and aggravating. When you watch her, you want—I mean, literally—you want to kill her yourself. And she is a thief and a murderer. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, literally a murderer. And I hate her dead. And then this other guy is an absolute polygamist. He's got 40 wives, and they're all like 15 years old. And he is a complete. Hilljack freak and needs to be hung at high noon in the town square. But that's after they pelt him with rocks and garbage and put him in a guillotine. So uh, believe me, we are talking about this today on Coast to Coast. We're going to come back and do anything else bizarre I feel like talking about, including more on the NFL draft. We might even talk some smack about your boy, famous Jameis. I did a, a show yesterday with my boy Ozzy, the sports junkie who covers the Buccaneers in Tampa, and he had a lot of things to say about great and famous Jameis, the story that just keeps on giving. It's coast to coast on Sports Grid. Everybody's doing it. They just won't admit it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down and too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn, and most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn-up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back on Coast to Coast, Smitty's gigging with us, which is a, a weekly occurrence on Coast to Coast. And uh, Smitty already very concerned about my behavior on the show talking bad about people and uh, wishing death on people and it's just not the humanly thing to do right now in these current times we're living in in chaos so I had my buddy uh, and I don't really care because once you watch that freak show that Tiger King you're gonna be sucked in and then you're gonna hate everyone too and then you're gonna be like what is Shaq doing on this thing because <laughs> I saw the diesel walking on this guy's land I was like I have seen it all now there's the Hooper Hyper Expialidocious and so this is the craziest show I've seen I've watched other ones as well I did a podcast on All American Smitty do you know what All American is I have not heard of that fill me in yeah. All American is a story of this kid from Crenshaw who's the, like uh, one of the best football players in uh, Los Angeles. And he's from the hood in Crenshaw. And he's actually one of the best players in the country. So he's like highly sought after. And what he does is he transfers to play at Beverly High and with all the rich kids, the spoon-fed uh, crowd. And he has to live with this family, this rich family of the head coach who's played by Ty Diggs. And he was an NFL star, and he started his career at Crenshaw High. So they named the field after him at Crenshaw High, but he coaches at Beverly with all the rich people that are just critical of him and boosters and, and just dirty, illegal. It's 90210 on absolute mammoth amounts of clear cream and steroids. And, I mean, it is completely filled with backstabbing, lying, cheating, stealing, sex, wow. drugs, uh, car wrecks. Cheating, I mean, everything, it's all going on. I mean, all of it, illegal recruiting, you name it. It's all happening. People getting killed. I mean, you name it. It is insane. So another Pharrell recommendation. I don't know if you knew this or not, uh, Smitty, but you know your boy Carver High has his um, top 500 Carver High movies of all time. Which oh, you, I got to get in on that list. Yeah, you got to get my boy Carver High got to delve into his uh all-time greats if you're looking for viewing pleasure uh but anyway yesterday i was talking uh to my guy in tampa about getting tom brady mm. and uh he was talking about that you know everything from what they need in the draft which was i think at the end of the day offensive linemen to protect his ass uh and then uh, they're all set frankly he said at receiver tight end uh, they don't have any problems coaching. They had a great defense. Uh, they think their defense is going to be literally one of the best in the NFL, which it was over the last nine weeks of last sure. uh, season. You and I talked about the 
uh, Buccaneers. We've talked about Tom Brady. We've talked about famous Jameis, but let's do it again. Did you see that um, Godwin was saying that, uh, you know, all they do is blame famous Jameis for all the interceptions? He said a lot of it wasn't his fault. How do you feel about uh, that, those comments, and that um, do you feel in some capacity that uh, he's going to end up getting a good gig or is he screwed? Jameis is in trouble. Uh, it's musical chairs in the NFL because the quarterback, there's more quarterbacks than jobs, and we're not accounting for the quarterbacks that are about to enter these teams in the draft in a few weeks. I, I think Jameis kind of missed the boat. I, I would be shocked if he's a starter in the league in uh, 2020. I think he's going to be a backup somewhere, but I think he and Cam Newton both need to kind of check their expectations about what they expect to be at the next level now uh, that they're going to sign with new teams. So I don't think there's a lot of starting jobs to go around anymore. And I think there, there's going to be even fewer once we get to the draft and Joe Burrow and Tua uh, get scooped up and, and maybe even Justin Herbert too. In terms of the Bucks and where they sit, uh, we did hear a report uh, that Bruce Arians uh, pretty much totally ruled out any Antonio Brown reunion. Uh, he, he said he's not coming here, and, and that's the end of it. So, yeah, no, I think the Bucks' receiving core right now that they have is going to be what they have going forward, and it's a really good receiving core. And you throw O.J. Howard into the mix as well at the tight end position, and Tom Brady certainly has a ton of weapons. What Tom Brady doesn't have is the arm talent and the physical abilities that Jameis Winston does. So, yes, I, I expect the interceptions to go down next year. Obviously, I don't think Brady's going to throw 30 picks. But I don't know if he's going to be able to make all the throws that that Jameis does. People forget, yeah, Jameis led the league in picks. He also led the league in yards last year, passing yards. So I, I think the Bucks' offense is not going to be as high-powered as people think. They will be efficient, and they will be more uh, precise, I think, with how they uh, kind of execute. But I don't think they're going to be this explosive offense that lights the world on fire. I, I think their defense, actually, you're, you're right. I think their defense might have to be uh, the kind of the unit that really brings them to the next level. Smitty, do you think that the media screwed uh, Famous's career by labeling him, let's face facts, a stupid quarterback? Because everyone talks about how bad he uh, threw the picks and everything. But let me just give you what Godwin said. Quote, there were uh, times where receivers either ran the wrong route. I've been guilty of running the wrong route or not being in a spot where I'm supposed to be where he thought I was going to be. And you get intercepted and you get a turnover. It's not just him. I think people who are really entrenched in football understand that, that the quarterback gets all of the blame and more than he deserves. Sometimes he gets a lot more credit than he deserves, too. But that's just the nature of the position he said i feel like Jameis gets a bad rap a lot of times people think it may seem like the cool thing to hop on the bandwagon and kind of trash him but i enjoyed having Jameis in the locker room and i uh enjoy him as a friend knowing that he's going to be uh, the same dude every time i come in he's funny down to earth for me i see him as a positive aspect of our room and that's going to be missed now my question goes back to do you think that the media have screwed and destroyed Winston's name and career by labeling him as the perfect word, stupid, because everyone says he's stupid. The, the, the throws he makes are stupid. And that 30 picks is that you suck. If you throw 30 picks, you suck and you're stupid. And that's all there is to it. Meanwhile, his teammates love him. No one says a bad word about him. He busts his ass every day. Throws for 5,000-plus yards, 30 touchdowns, but he's been labeled stupid and he sucks. And it's ruining his career that a bunch of fat, 
lazy, repulsive, alcoholic sportscasters uh, with their fifth marriage are giving football advice. They've never played the game before, and they should shut their fat faces. How's that sound? I, I agree with you. I, I will say, I to me, if the NFL teams are letting what the media says dictate their policy, that's on the NFL teams. That's on the GMs. That's on the scouts. I, I appreciate what Chris Godwin said. As a Penn State guy, he he, he really handles himself well. Uh, and he also is not going to throw Jameis under the bus. I have not heard anyone in that Tampa Bay locker room throw Jameis under the bus. And to me, that's where you can have a career ruined. The media is the media. Uh, Jameis is an easy target. He doesn't give. He doesn't do himself any favors, I will say that. He does not do himself any favors. He doesn't carry himself in a way where you would say, all right, that's a guy that understands uh, the nuances of being a quarterback at the NFL level. I mean, he's had some run-ins with the law. He's had some issues stealing crab legs in college. And I know kids make mistakes in college, but he hasn't done himself any favors. The media, I don't think, has as much of an impact here as the stats and the, and the tape. The eye in the sky don't lie. This is a quarterback that is consistently misreads. This is a quarterback that consistently has brain farts on the field uh, reading defenses. It has been the area where he has struggled the most in the NFL. We thought Bruce Arians was going to help that. It, it didn't. He still had those issues. And, and you know, they were, there could have been like 40 picks last year. Uh, I watched a, uh, a Twitter video on all the interceptions that were dropped uh, that Jameis Winston threw last year. He could have legitimately threw 40 or 50 interceptions last year. And Chris is right. Not all of them were his fault. Some of them that were dropped were not all his fault. Some of them that were dropped were his fault. I think the number's the number. I think the stats don't lie. I don't think the media is going to scuttle him in any more way than he's already scuttling himself with his play on the field. And like I said, if there is an, a, a more intense version of bad-mouthing in the media, the NFL, the GMs, the scouts need to do their job and filter that out. So uh, I talked about uh, on the show yesterday that, um, you know, Arians gets all this credit for being this great quarterback coach. He didn't make uh, Jameis Winston better. What makes you think that that guy's going to make Tom Brady better? How about Tom Brady's going to make him better? Uh, do you believe that he's overrated as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Bruce Arians. I, I think he's a I think he's a good leader of men. And I think in today's NFL, the head coach needs to be a leader of men, and he needs to surround himself with smart people who are smarter than him to dictate offensive and defensive game plans. I don't like the coach, and this is why I can't stand Bill O'Brien, and I'm, I'm happy that Bill O'Brien is giving up his play-calling duties this year. You have too many other things to worry about as a head coach than a call plays. I'm sorry, you just do. And you can have input, and you can have your say in the meeting rooms about, hey, I know this team doesn't do this well. Let's attack them here. And then it's the coach's job to execute that with a game plan. The assistant coaches, the offensive coordinators, the quarterback coach, to make sure the quarterback gets the message of what is being said in the coach's meeting room. I think too many head coaches are too big micromanagers in this league. And maybe that was an issue that Bruce Arians had that he was trying to micromanage Jameis a little bit. Maybe Jameis wasn't getting the right input from his quarterback coach. Maybe the offensive coordinator, they weren't on the same page. So I don't want to throw all the blame on Bruce Arians, but yes, he's expected to be this quarterback whisperer, and clearly his message did not get through to Jameis Winston. Where we're, where we go from here, I totally agree. I think Tom Brady's going to help the Bucs way more than the Bucs helped Tom Brady. The Bucs are nothing to Tom Brady. 
you know, I, I don't necessarily think the fit is going to turn into this explosive offense because Tom is very limited physically. But I do think Tom's leadership will rub off on this Tampa Bay locker room. And I expect the Bucs to play better than the back of their baseball card says, as the cliche goes, because they have an intangible like Tom Brady leading that huddle and leading that locker room. So, Smitty, uh, off the record here, uh, I've noticed that you've refused to shave uh, from week to week. And then I am going to let you in on a little secret. I let 34C, my dynamic smoke show hottie wife, actually give me a self-inflicted haircut. She she gave me I'm this. I'm more worried about this. No, but look at this clean, tight. You look good, Scotty. You look she, good, brother. She gave me a happy she got me down to the happy here, Smitty. And then the guy from Tampa said I looked like an SS soldier from Germany. Look at him. He said I looked he, – he was making fun of me. And then I had Scott Stanford uh, make yeah, fun of me. Yeah, I love Scotty. Day. Did you hear him call – said I look like alfalfa with that uh, Empire State Building uh, diesel <laughs> sticking out of the top of my head? Well, well, that – it's actually funny because the where it's positioned. And I moved it. You see the Empire State Building on my shot. Right. I cropped it a little bit so the middle – it was off center because I didn't want to have like a big, you know, a giant, you know. I saw you write about out of my head. you. You write a, a a story the other day about the Empire State Building about the ambulance. Now they actually went on Good Morning America and said it was a heartbeat of the city, and I think you were right. I think it was about uh, the white and red was about the. Uh, I like agree. Ambulance. I think it was an ambulance. And actually, the Empire State Building tweeted it out that it was in honor of the first responders, as it should be. Right. I mean, you know, that's the part about this that, you know, and we're starting to get some stories from the front lines of this. But usually when we talk about ground zero of a war, and this is a war, just the, it's not the normal war, but it is a war. We think of death and destruction and bombs. and But the front lines of this is Mount Sinai Hospital 10 blocks away from me. I mean, I have a cousin who is a nurse anesthetician, so she handles the anesthesia uh, at Mount Sinai Hospital, and she says that it's it's like a war zone in those in those buildings, uh, in those walls, and we should be doing everything possible right now to honor and support uh, our first responders because usually we think of the fire department and the and you know the National Guard and the Army as being on the front lines of this. It is your cousin who's a nurse at a hospital; she's on the front lines of it, like that is the front line of this war. And yeah, no, I, I, I'm all in favor of New York City, every city uh, uh, honoring and, and showing support for our first responders who are fighting this disease uh, at its head. That's beautiful, Smitty. Oh, God. I have to say that was really, honestly... You getting choked just, up over there? I, I'll have, it's 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 not it's not my it's not my quaffed I, I just need it. You know what I noticed with the Skype? I'll show this. Look at this man. I'm going bald, Scotty. Look at this. Yeah. You know what I call that, Smitty? I call that an area of concern. Yeah, it's an area of concern. That is definitely an area of concern. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, I want to start this conversation respectfully. I have just under three minutes, and then we'll carry it into the next uh, segment we do. Think about this for a second. I have heard people, various people, that think they are in the know. Uh, these alleged know-it-alls, if you will, people that constantly try to tell you how it's going to be in life. I've heard the rumblings that there will be no college and pro football mm. this year. And I know you have seen these rumblings. And I am not interested in hearing it. I am not interested in a football season being canceled in college and pro either or i can't have it 
I won't have it. I'm not going to tolerate it. I don't know what I will do. Like, I still believe there's going to be NBA and Stanley Cup finals, and I think there's going to be baseball, and far be it from me. But I just think football being canceled, you got to be kidding me. Respectfully, I got two minutes, and then we'll carry it over, Smitty. What do you so think? So I, I think basketball and hockey and baseball are in jeopardy right now. Football, to me, is, you're right, it's the last line of defense. We heard uh, Peter King wrote a great column this week where he interviewed Arthur Blank, who, in my opinion, is one of the more influential and and forward-thinking owners in the NFL. And even he was throwing out the idea that you should start to come to this reality that there will be no fans in the stands at NFL games, at least to start the season. And they are prioritizing starting the season on time rather than waiting for the go-ahead. And we've heard the MLB say, we're not going to play games until we get the go-ahead from the health officials that this is going to happen and that we can gather in mass quantities. I think the NFL is the opposite. I think the NFL says, we're starting in September. I don't care if there's fans or not. We got to get this season started. I'm in favor of that. I think as fans, we need to back away from the normalcy of fans in the stands. I would prefer games than fans. LeBron James thinks otherwise. My guess is, though, if you interviewed LeBron today, he would change his opinion on whether or not he would play with fans in the stands. Look, uh, here's the deal. Um, You have to understand the risks involved, I think, even from the standpoint of when you go back to when they canceled the March Madness. They were talking about letting personnel in and limited family and, uh, you know, camera guys and the people that had to be there, the officials and everyone else. And they were going to play games that way. They were going to do that in the UFC. They were going to do it in every sport. But uh, in my opinion, if they come back and play NFL or college football and you have that many players on the field, on a football team, on college and pro, the roster size itself, the officials, both teams being there. You cannot tell me that that's not unsafe. I don't believe they can even pull that off. We're on coast to coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Uh, back on Coast to Coast, Pharrell with Smitty. So uh, what I was saying is I believe that it's unsafe even to have that many football players on the field in a college, let alone the pros with the roster sizes and all the refs. And, you know, you talk about no one in the stands. How about that it's not safe to have all those football players on the football field and refs? I mean, I all of it is crazy, right? So... 
So here, to me, Scotty, here's the tipping point in all this. Everyone's asking, when are we going to be over this? When are we going to get through with this? When's the curve going to be flattened? The curve is not going to be flattened until we have a mass testing system in this country and over the world where we can test people in mass quantities, millions of people. Think about how many people are in this country. Millions of tests that can be implemented quickly, and we get the test results back even more quickly. And until that happens, we are not going to be able to separate sick from healthy. And until that happens, we are not going to be able to get sports back in this country. I'm already hearing Abbott Pharmaceuticals, one of the big leaders in the testing, they've developed a five-minute test that's a small nasal swab. It's easier to implement. And it, that's great. I think over the next month, all of these pharmaceutical companies are going to start to implement tests. And from what I'm hearing from the sports world, I have a tennis friend, professional tennis friend. She said she's already heard from her people that she's not going to be able to compete again until she gets tested and she's negative. So my guess is there's going to be a mass test that goes on with every sport, every league. Every college football player that walks on campus this year is going to have to show that they tested negative for corona before they can compete. Same thing with the NBA. We're hearing that there might be some neutral site games that are happening for the playoffs. Every single player that steps foot on that floor, every coach, every official, administrator will have to say, I'm tested negative for COVID. I can compete. It is the new normal we're in. It's like the measles back in the day. You can't, you can't go outside if you have the measles. You can't go outside unless you have a proof that you're not positive for this disease. Once we start to get the testing in place and we get mass testing for all the teams, all the athletes, then we can start to say, all right, guys, you're good. You're safe. You can play. That's going to take time. It, it could take months. And you're right. September is closer than we think. Well, obviously, um, it's going to be crazy uh, because I think we're uh, in a very, you know, precarious position right now with hockey and, and, and the NBA. I mean, we've already lost college basketball. Um, people are, you know, the, the, you know, Gary Bedman and his minions and, and Adam Silver and his minions, they all keep selling the fact that they're going to hopefully finish their season and crown a champion. And then meanwhile, uh, you got that going on. And then you have people that are literally saying, you know, how are we going to have this NFL draft without people getting sick? And I don't frankly even want to try to imagine how they're going to pull off that draft when we're living in a place like, can you imagine if they even said right now, the NFL, that they were going to have the headquarters in New York uh, to run the draft via video conference? Let's say, hypothetically, that was their decision, Goodell, right? And in New York, they're literally saying that one out of every two people are going to get it and that uh, you already know somebody that has it. And that, uh, I mean, are you kidding me? One out of two? I mean... That's we already know great. someone who has it. Ariel got her test back. She tested positive. I, she, I know. She had it. <laughs> I know more people than Ariel. Yeah, no, that's true. We all know multiple people. I would say, yeah. Absolutely. So, but how do you believe for one minute that they can have a successful NFL draft when they can't do anything in this country? And now they've got literally in cities like Miami and Detroit and in Maryland where they are actually arresting people and fining them $5,000 for being too close to someone. And we're worried about an NFL draft. I mean, where are our priorities for Christ's sakes? I, I agree. So the NFL right now, what we, what we're hearing is Roger Goodell is going to host the draft from his living room in Bronxville, New York. 
Uh, and he should, because as much as we think the NFL draft is an essential business, it's, it's not. And so for Roger and the rest of the NFL team to have to travel into New York City to the NFL home offices and on Fifth Avenue in Midtown and conduct this is silly. They need to figure out a way for him to do it at home. And I'm hearing that that's what might happen is that he'll be just like we are in his home, in his living room, on Skype. And he's got all the other 32 war rooms connected to him. And the NFL has another month to figure this out. I, I do think you can do. I mean, listen, we conduct business right now remotely. I think the NFL is well within their right to figure out a way to safely conduct business from remote sites. And I'm hearing with all the GMs that the IT guys are like the most popular guys, just like with us. Joe Ranieri is like literally our savior right now. Uh, I know you call him every day to help out with the tech stuff. I'm in touch with every day. Every, I mean, you know, the tech guys right now are the heroes of these businesses, keeping it all together. And the NFL has a month to get all their tech people in order. They have a month to get all these teams combined. And uh, I'm already hearing they sent 100 video kits to different uh, recruits, I mean, different college football players. Uh, so they'll have in-home studios for all of them as well. This NFL draft is going to happen. I think it's going to happen on time, and I think it will all be remotely. And I hope that the NFL takes the proper safety precautions to make sure it's all run very safe uh, in this social distancing time. Are you, uh, Smitty, with us on Coast to Coast, living in New York City? And uh, we're all, you know, I, I live in uh, North Jersey, and um, it's not good here either. But it's nothing compared to uh, the chaos that's happening in New York City. At some point or another, obviously, uh, your family has to be worried about you, and you have to be worried about you. Are you scared at all? living in that apartment and then like i don't even want to begin to ask you like how do you get things done like go out food laundry uh, do you have a, a a washer and a dryer i actually am going to pick out my wash and fold so i'm fortunate on my block there is a laundry my laundry and my supermarket is right here and and my pharmacy so i only have to walk one block a few hundred feet hundred yards uh, to get to those critical things that make me survive. You know, my basic laundry services, my cleaning supplies that I get at CVS, uh, and and all of my food that I buy. So I'm fortunate that it's all here. Am I scared? Yeah, absolutely I'm scared. Um, I'm more scared because of other stories I'm hearing. I'm not scared for my life. Frankly, I think I got this already, and most people do get it. And they are okay from it. And I was on the subway every day for two weeks between March 1st and March 15th. I'd be shocked if I was not exposed to it during that time. Um, and I think I've, I've always had a strong immune system, knock on wood. And I think I got it at some point. And I did. I remember a couple times during the, uh, you know, a couple weeks we were here, I was feeling a little bit, eh, but nothing major. And most people, they recover from it, you know, at, at home and they take care of themselves and they recover uh, fully. So I, 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 I do think I got it, which means my chances of getting it again are very small. Um, and I do believe that the city is doing everything they can um, to fight this. And every city needs to be proactive. I think certain cities are more proactive than others. Frankly, what I'm seeing in Florida right now is disgusting with people on the beach every day. And I wouldn't be shocked if at the end of this, the Florida numbers are higher than any other state uh, because they are not taking it seriously. Here in New York, we are taking it very seriously. I have never seen the streets of New York so empty. I have never in my five years of living here seen such a tense and just 
uneasy feeling when you're out on the streets and you pass someone and you're in a restaurant picking up food or you're at the supermarket trying to you know meander around those narrow lanes try to get grocery i mean it's 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 weird scotty you know right. usually in new york people just shove you over they don't care they just you know walk right past you they you know basically run you over as they're walking past you on the street now i'm seeing more of a you know, tactical approach to, all right, I'm going to walk on this side. Hopefully they get the message and they go on the other side. It's, it's, it's uneasy. I mean, I think fear is certainly, is certainly a word I would use. Um, but I'm much more fearful for the people that are working in, at, at the hospitals and, and, and those areas right now on the, literally on the front lines of this, they are risking their lives every day for all. Right. So, um, I lived here, uh, I've lived here for over 20 years and I lived in the city at, uh, nine 11, and um, it was the it, it was a different kind of fear. Uh, the fear then was terrorism, was that uh, there was going to be more planes flying in the building. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know that that was a, a very uh, weird time that you know some people have compared this to. Frankly, uh, this whole experience with COVID, as you've heard, like the FEMA director from New York, he was a cop back then and a first responder at 9-11 with all of the, um, you know, morgues they had set up and all the cops and firemen that had died, uh, that it, the, the, you know, what it did to the police force was crazy. This is the same, he said it's like the same feeling. It's this feeling of helplessness, of uh, the unknown, of fear of terrorism, of fear of COVID. Uh, the invisible nature of it is scary. So uh, I think it's crazy. What has been the um, thing that disturbs you the most about the lack of sports? Uh, you're, I mean, it's one thing to go on here and talk to me every week about stuff. And we've always had a, a fun experience and we're able to get through the hour and we talk a lot. We talk about a million different things. But what's really bothered you the most in your life about, you know, being a better and being a guy that loves action and loves sports and watches tons of games and bets on tons of games and then having absolutely nothing now to watch except all the pornos you've been watching. <laughs> it's been a lot, man. My, uh, my, my Netflix and Pornhub uh, usage rates, I don't even want to know what they are. Um, so I like to me, I'm a, I'm a control freak, Scotty. And again, most betters are because they bet on something and they feel like they know it and, you know, especially professional handicappers, they feel like they've got the perfect handicap on a certain game and they've got their arms fully wrapped around it and they know exactly what's going to happen and exactly how it's going to play out. you got to throw that out the window here. We're trying to handicap this virus as much as we're trying to handicap sports right now. And every day I see new numbers and new figures and new things that scare me and lead me to believe that every day is going further and further towards no sports for a while. And that's the biggest fear for me, is the fear of the unknown. And a week ago, two weeks ago, I was hell-bent on June 1st being like the normal date where we kind of resume normal things. With each passing day, I drift more towards June 1st is like best-case optimistic scenario, and really July and August would be best-case. And my fear is with each passing day, that keeps getting pushed back, and we saw Jeff Van Gundy, he, he, he hopped on a radio station uh, earlier this week, and he said he doesn't think there's going to be any sports, no baseball, no basketball, no hockey, and football will start late. He, and that's a very pessimistic outlook. 
and it's sent some shockwaves through the media world over the last 24 hours because I, I respect Jeff Van Gundy a lot. I think he's a really good coach and he's a better broadcaster. And if he is saying things like that, there might be some other higher-ranking officials in certain leagues or owners like Arthur Blank, who has come out and said no fans at games probably the first part of the season, where, to me, the fear of the unknown of really starting to wrap our heads around a 6- to 12-month window of no sports in this country. And that that scares the crap out of me, Scotty. So they've been having all these uh, virtual uh, car races, IndyCar races and, and NASCAR virtual races. And now they're having this uh, players only. Uh, I don't know if you saw it or not. The NBA 2K video yeah. tournament Friday. And some of the names involved in it are Durant, uh, Trey Young, Harrison Barnes, Pat Beverly, Whiteside, Spider Mitchell, nice. uh, Hachimura, Michael Porter Jr., Dev Booker, Andre Drummond, Demarcus Cousins. What do you think of that uh, tournament? I think that's pretty cool. That'd be I something really that, cool. I mean, honestly, that that would be something I'd watch. Montrez Harrell's in it. Sabonis is in it. Aiton's in it. Zach Levine, Andre Drummond. What do you think of that? That's awesome. Listen, I, I'm all for leagues and teams figuring out ways to put their stars in our living rooms. And whether that's on TV, whether that's through video games, whatever it is, to me, the league right now, every league, is trying to figure out a way to feature their prominent stars and to get attention eyeballs on their league. I saw a stat uh, earlier this week. The Atlanta Falcons, and this is a random team, but it was just they, they were the team that reported this. March of 2019, they had about 80,000 minutes logged on their team's website and app in terms of content watched. March 2020, 800,000 minutes watched. On the, and that's just an arbitrary team. I'm sure if you blanketed the NFL, most teams would have similar uh, exponential boosts in the amount of content consumed on their individual websites. Oh, apps, hold on, Smitty. Your numbers just came in for the morning show with Ariel, and it's 25 million viewers <laughs> every 10 And they minutes. all are caring to watch Ariel. They don't care to watch me, no, that's for sure. Not with right. my balding uh, area of concern up here. That's true, but uh, you're getting huge numbers. So uh, carry on, uh, not to interrupt you. No, no, you're, no. I think it's relevant because I think the point is, I am all in favor of these leagues and these teams finding creative ways to occupy our brains during what is a very difficult time to be idle-minded. Idle hands are the tool of the devil. So if we're just sitting here in our apartments looking around, like, what the heck am I going to do? That's bad. But if these teams are like, hey, look, your favorite player is playing a video game today. I'm all for it. I love it. I don't know if I'm going to handicap it, but I'll definitely, you know, be paying attention to it. All right. Last but not least, uh, this one's for your boy Carver High. So he's not on with us, but you have to at least give your two cents for it because his sure. favorite player, uh, Sidney Crosby, has been voted the most complete player in the NHL by his peers. As you know, Carver High hates my guts and the Penguins worse and so how do you think he uh, thinks when he wakes up to see Sidney Crosby still the best player in the NHL, according to his peers? Certainly not going to be Matt Barzell, unfortunately. I mean, I think he's got a bright future, but I think we're a long way off from one of his aisles being named to one of those teams uh, or one, getting one of those awards. Listen, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those fans that hates people just for the sake of hating them. Like, I'm not a Jets fan that hates Bill Belichick. I dislike playing him, but I respect the crap out of him. 
I feel the same way about Sidney Crosby. Hate playing against him as a Rangers fan, but I respect the crap out of him. Certainly deserving of that award. All right, Smitty, great stuff today. A bizarre interview. I hope you had fun. Uh, I hope uh, Sidney Crosby wins another Stanley <laughs> Cup. Uh, I'm always worried about you on the Upper East Side. Keep dodging those bullets and those droplets and stay healthy, my friend, and get in some exercise, do some sit-ups, some planks, some crunches, uh, some push-ups, do something. It's great having you, as always, on Coast to Coast. Hey, Scotty, stay safe, man. We'll talk soon. All right, there he is, Jared Lee Smith, my boy Smitty. He means business. He loves getting on the bench on Coast to Coast on SportsGrid. Check out. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.